And so I got really excited by that. And so what I did at Anderson was I worked with primarily tax partners to help them grow their personal brand. And not so much online in those days, but directly with clients. Like how do you really you know, sell quote unquote to clients without really selling? And how do you take your expertise and make it into something that's really profound and interesting to a client? Today, I get to speak with Rochelle Moulton. Rochelle is a brand strategist and marketing coach dedicated to crafting your brand of genius into a flourishing authority business. She turns consultants and big thinkers into authorities. Her mantra, be unforgettable. She earned her consulting stripes leading introverted brainiacs at some powerhouse global consulting firms, Towers Perrin and Arthur Anderson. But even better, She's a serial entrepreneur and has built, led, and sometimes sold more than a few six, seven, and eight-figure consulting businesses. This means there's a pretty good chance she's encountered and solved the challenges you're facing right now. She co-hosts the Business of Authority podcast and blogs daily on brand and authority at RochelleMolton.com. Let's listen in to this episode with Rochelle Moulton. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, I get to speak with Rochelle Moulton. She's a co-host with Jonathan Stark on The Business of Authority, and I've been listening to her and Jonathan talk about business of authority for some time now and it's it's a really awesome podcast and I was like hey Rochelle how about you come and be a guest on my podcast I had Jonathan last season and he shared a ton of great value so I'm so happy that you're here thank you Junaid thanks for asking me absolutely so Rochelle I from from what I see and what you've been doing you are like a brand expert. So before we get into what somebody needs to do with building their own brand, building their personal brand, if they're going to design a brand altogether separate from their personality, there's a ton of things they can be doing. But before we get into that, let's get into the origin story. Tell us a version of your journey that no one's heard of before. Oh, well, that's an interesting challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, the beginning of my career, I've really been in consulting my whole career of one form or another. So in the beginning, I was with a big firm and I was doing a really technical kind of consulting. And a couple of years in, I was in this situation with a company, it was United Airlines, that was spinning off a division and they were trying to figure out what to do. And I got involved in that. It started uh, from a technical perspective, mm -hmm. like how do you design a was actually employee benefits program back in back in those days. Yeah. And what I got excited about was what's it like for the people in this spinoff? Like what's going to be different than what it was like to be part of an airline? And it was for me, it was this petri dish about big, bold, audacious change. And I just got hooked on that idea and so the firm was big enough we had thousands and thousands of employees across the globe yeah. so i found people who really understood this idea of change and how to do that and i started to align with them and really learn from them 
So I did that for a number of years in this big firm and I became a partner there, which was great. Um, but then it was like, I couldn't get everything I wanted to do on my plate. So mm -hmm. I wanted to run an office, which basically meant run a geography, right? Be responsible for a PL. I wanted to do that. I wanted to keep serving clients. I wanted to keep getting, getting better at my craft. Wasn't going to happen. So that's when I started my first business. And I did not do it as a side hustle, yeah. um, but it took probably a year to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And I started, co-founded co a company, um, grew that and eventually sold that to Arthur Anderson uh, before Enron, mm. before all that happened. And uh, from there, I worked primarily with Anderson Partners. That's when I really started getting interested in this idea of brand. Because when, when we sold the firm, we had an unusual name, an unusual story. Mm -hmm. And literally, that brand gave us an extra zero in the sales price. And wow. so, you know, I kind of, you know, I perked up and went, oh, I mean, we did it because we knew it would help us. But I really hadn't thought about the other end, like mm. what's going to happen when we just either grow or sell. And so I got really excited by that. And so what I did at Anderson was I worked with primarily tax partners to help them grow their personal brand. And not so much online in those days, but yeah. directly with clients. Like, how do you really, um, you know, sell, quote unquote, to clients without really selling? And how do you take your expertise and make it into something that's really profound and interesting yeah. to a client? Did all that. Uh, had a couple of other little journeys in there. I'll, I'll spare you the, the full story. Um, but then I wound up, I decided that I was going to try going inside again after Enron. Kind of front row seat to Enron. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but so I joined a Fortune 500 company and ran their consulting division for a couple of years. And at that point, I, I had to um, kind of clean up a mess, I would say. They were losing a lot of money. So it was, it was not really a fun assignment. And when that was done, that's when I started doing what I'm doing now. I've been doing this since 2007, which is really all about brand mm. for people, consultants, big thinkers, mission-driven people, and how you can get your message out there and build a sustainable business underneath that. Because that's usually why we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's really, that was really quick in a nutshell, too. I think um, you wanted quick. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's or at least your listeners do, I'm sure. I know, yeah. You know, um, that's something that I got to work on, you know, figure out who my listeners are because I know there's a ton of them and there's been, you know, thousands of downloads and I'm like, okay, how do they reach back to me, you know, connect with me? So I probably need to brand my podcast a little better and hopefully you can give me some pointers. <laughs> we can talk about that. Awesome. So... What I saw is what I hear from your story is, you know, you started someplace and you started to see something that really intrigued you and connected with you and bringing up those points. Like if you didn't have that brand when you're selling that company, you know, you eliminate that extra zero. It added so much more value, just that brand. And from another perspective, it's almost like you're buying a car or you're buying an asset because now it stands alone on its own. And and I think yes. it jive, it connects within within like corporation. When you create a corporation, you're basically setting up a system or a or a company that's easily transferable 
And I think some that's oh wow, <laughs> another light bulb moment. <laughs> um, so locally here, there's a ton of restaurants that come and go, like every two three years. Like there's this one specific location, and sometimes they'll say under new management. Mm-hmm. They're thinking that the brand that's up there has a value, and now they have new management. So I don't know how how would you or how would, how would somebody in that space, you know, utilize creating a brand for themselves where I don't even know how to phrase that question, but you get what I'm saying. I do. I do. And the way I think about it is your brand or any brand, it's an Mm -hmm. asset, right? And so what do you want to do with an asset? You want to nurture it. You want to grow it. You want to take care of it. You want to protect it. And sometimes you want to take it out for a spin to see what Mm. it can do. Right. And so, you know, the examples of a restaurant, I mean, restaurants are not my, you know, my professional expertise, but it's, it's interesting to me that if I were going to start a restaurant, there's no way that I would take an existing restaurant location and name and slap a new sign on it. But that's because of how I work, Mm. right? I would believe that I would have a better idea. Someone whose personal genius is all about operations might look at that and go, gee, the name is great. The concept is great. The problem is they couldn't execute. So I'm going to go buy that. I'm not going to change anything except how it's run inside. So I think the important thing is to think of brand as an asset Mm. and to think about it if it's just you, so it's a personal brand for you, we all have those. And then if you also have a business that doesn't have your name on it, then you have this business brand as well. Mm. And so when you have a business brand and a personal brand, it starts to get, I don't want to say confusing because it doesn't have to be confusing, but it can double the work if you don't really think it through strategically so you can manage both at the same time. Wow, that is that is very true. It does double and triple and quadruple the no- amount of work them depending on how many brands you have. So I've got the podcast brand and I've had a company Humble Zone for 20 years that I didn't really nurture but anytime I had like freelance work come in, I was like, "Okay, this is the this is the brand that's doing that work." Mm-hmm. But I you're right. I didn't nurture the brand to grow it, to water it and wow really powerful stuff. So when you create a brand, you want to start. So based on your expertise or anybody's expertise, like you mentioned, operations person, they're going to, they're going to take that same, let's say car firm, for example, to put a better engine in it, a better transmission. So now it can perform better. They're like, I'm going to leave everything around it, but, but I know this thing that I can fix. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for that's sort of like a value investor. Value investor, right. So if you were to create a brand new brand or a new brand, um, for example, let's focus on personal brand because that's one of your expertise. Uh, what, what are some of the initial steps that people will need to take and, again, cultivate and grow and, and go from there? Well, I should start by, by saying that you know, I... I have a big idea behind what I'm doing, and and I I believe that most mission-driven people have that. They may mm-hmm. not be able to articulate it yet, but we have it. So in my case, it's be unforgettable. Yes. And it's not about 
my being unforgettable. It's about you being unforgettable mm-hmm. and you know, kind of like Oprah, you have a car and you have a car and you have a car. <laughs> it's, it's really about how the audience is transformed. So, so the starting point and it is to have this mission, this big idea. And because what that does for you is it's something that is motivating and it's also something ultimately that you can use if you haven't designed the business yet, you can use it to design how you're going to serve your audience, mm. right? And you can also use it in the sense of um, motivation, right? Because not every day, and I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about people starting their own businesses, not every day is going to be a walk in the park. Yeah. There are going to be some days where you say, why did I leave a salary job to do this? What, what was I thinking? So it's really about having this, this big idea, but then it's also about creating white space positioning for yourself. Hmm. And so I don't know if you've heard that term before. So the idea of the idea of white space space to me, like designers will use white spaces like negative space. Okay. Got it. Yeah. The way I think of it is white space is empty. It's available. And so what you want is you want white space that is small enough so that you can own it, but big enough so that you can achieve the vision for your business. So if you start with a vision that says, you know, I want to transform, you know, the, the whole planet on this, right? That's a big vision and you better make sure that there's plenty of room in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might start with something much smaller. And it, it, an example of this would be when you look around and you see people that are in the space that you want to play in. And your first reaction is, oh, I can't be in that space because you know, gee, there's Seth Godin and he's a genius. Who yeah. am I compared to Seth? And here's this person and they're a genius and they've written 10 books. What about me? No, that's not the way you look at it. You look for what's the white space. Uh, and so if you're a marketing consultant, you find white space that's not Seth Godin's. You're not Seth Godin. In fact, you're better than Seth Godin mm. in the sense that you have, every one of us has a unique set of experiences, of stories, of personal genius. So there will be something, even for someone who's a, a marketing consultant and kind of thinks like Seth, mm. I don't want to say acts like Seth, but has the, some of the same vision, you're yeah. still going to have different stories, different expertise, and a different point of view. And that's, you use all those together to carve out that position for yourself. Wow. That kind of just blew my mind because. In a good way or a bad way? (laughs) In a good way, because, because we, we think about it like, oh, this guy's also doing websites. This guy's also doing website. This guy's also doing branding. I don't want to be another person. Like you get into a field and, and that's that's the comparative, like we, we compare things because as consumers, we love comparing what's the best thing that I should buy, right? So when we are designing our personal brand, you start comparing yourself instead of looking at what you're really good at. Uh, and, and a lot of people will give an example of, look at Walmart, Target, Kmart, they're still selling Tide, the, like all of these people, companies or these stores are selling the same exact same products, but who are they catering to? That's the person you want to think about. Yeah. And I I like that you use the word best 
Notice you didn't say the cheapest. Yeah. You said the best. And sometimes the best by by your audience's definition is the cheapest. And then yeah. maybe that's not a market you want to go after. But I think best is a really critical word here. Yeah. 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 I think that um, it's important, and especially when you're dealing with people, it's it takes courage to build a personal brand. And I'm assuming most people that are doing that, it's it's courage in the day-to-day. Now everything's virtual, but whether you're normally in a normal non-COVID world, whether yeah. you're meeting directly with people and you're building your brand that way, because that's brand building as well, mm-hmm. or you're doing it online, I'm going to argue it's harder to do online, or it's not harder, it takes more courage. It does. Because they're trolls. People can critique you who have no knowledge about you, mm-hmm. your area of expertise. They just don't like that you wore a green shirt that day. Yeah. Or they don't like that you have the audacity to say something that they don't agree with and they, you know, they want to take you down. So it's having the courage to put yourself out there. And my belief is that the way that you get that courage is one, you have this big idea. So you've got in your head, I want to transform the world, my world in some way. And you know who that audience ideally is. You know who you want to serve. And I want to use, I want to underline the word serve because this is about service. The best personal and non-personal brands at the end of the day, they're about serving their audience, their ideal audience, their ideal tribe, if you want to use that word. So that's what, that's what we're looking for. Mm. It's, and one of the challenges is when a lot of people start with this, they're not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Like they have this idea of a big idea, but they're not sure how to express it. They have an idea of a target market, but they're not really sure. That's okay. Because yeah. that's where you start and you experiment. And, you know, I mean, look at my own career. I mean, I thought that the people that I would wind up serving were going to be the heads of human resources mm-hmm. of organizations. I did serve that audience for many years. Um, but after a while, I I didn't want to do that anymore. I felt a real calling to serve people that are in independent businesses who are trying to do different kinds of things. So it will evolve. I I can pretty much guarantee, unless you're the one in one million exception, that whatever you start with is not going to be where you wind up with your your sweet spot. That's absolutely true. That is 100% true because as human beings, we're taught specific things, follow this step model, go to school, get blah, 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 right? But then as we grow and connect with other people and find the hobbies, find the passions that we have, like, hey, I want to do that. Like we grow and we, we it's almost like we become wiser and we become, become more narrow or, or become more niche in what we want to accomplish with our lives. I, I agree yes. with that. And I also think there's there's a thing that can happen. Um, you niche with what you want, but you also get clearer about what you don't want. Oh my I God. Mean, I've worked with some people and there's like some magic age that's somewhere between 40 and 50, maybe 51, 52, where mm-hmm. people say, okay, I don't know what I want to do with this next part of my career, but I know it's not X. It's not this. Yeah, yeah. And no, it's not this. And that, but that's good data too. It is. I think think you put it really clearly there. And the more I think about it, the more you, 
say, but hey, I don't want to be doing this. Like the more clear you get on that and Apple actually, uh, they say that, you know, we say more times no, than we say yes, when there's something new that we need to add in our, in our devices. And I think somebody was mentioning that Apple doesn't even acknowledge other products that are in the market, supposedly their competition, because in their view, in their world, this is the best device ever. So, and it, that, I bet that's true. I was just looking at the iPad descriptions in the last few days and it yes. doesn't compare it to anything else. They don't. And yeah. as human beings, we need to do that too for ourselves. Hey, I am the best person that you're going to ever know that's going to help you with this problem. Right. And, and what's neat about that is that it's not just about your expertise. I mean, the, the expertise and authority world is, is my playground. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so it's, you know, there's a million experts. Pick any topic, right? Like you said, web design. Mm -hmm. There's a gazillion web designers and web developers, but they're not all the same, no. not by any stretch. And even if you, you narrow it down to knowledge of a particular piece of, of hardware or software, even within that, there will be people who are expert in a certain industry yeah. or a certain application of that or a combination of the industry, the application and how the application gets used. Maybe they're really good at dealing with teams. You know, when you're dealing with a corporation, you've got this interdisciplinary team, yeah. lots of politics, lots of, um, conflict sometimes, mm -hmm. um, you might have an expertise in that. So there is literally an unlimited number of ways that you can slice and dice your expertise, your ideal audience, um, the way that you serve. I think of that as your personal genius. Yeah. And you know, people are just different. Some people are great at research. Other people are great at evangelizing or explaining something. So you have to find those those pieces. And I also believe, especially with expertise and authority, and this doesn't have to be just with personal brands, right. but you need a point of view. And one of the first things I do when I do brand strategy with clients is we work on the point of view and nobody might ever see the point of view, but you need that to drive everything that you do. Yeah. And it's, and a point of view can be, I think of it as this way. If you, if you want, if your audience wants to start to develop this for them, try this. You say, I believe, and then you complete the sentence mm -hmm. and keep doing that. I believe, complete the sentence. I believe, I believe, and keep coming back to that. And you'll start to develop your point of view. And it doesn't have to be all about your expertise. Yeah. It might be about a core belief system that all humans are equal, as an example. That could be a part of your core belief system. And then you talk about leadership. Yeah. And your leadership beliefs tie around this idea that we're not hierarchical, but we're flat. And this is how we we work in a flatter world. So it's that's what's also powerful and allows an expert to distinguish themselves from other people in the space. Wow. Yeah, that's that's very very well put. We are all equal. We all bring, I mean, we all have the same, what is that? Um, same resources available to us, but how we grow from the ground up and the experiences that we bring together makes us so unique. 
and no two people are going to be the same. I might have gone on a to totally different topic, but you're, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely right, Rochelle. Um, well, can I interrupt you for a second? Of, there's, of there's, course. There's something you said that I want to I want to hit on, yeah. which is that we all start with the same resources, and we don't. No, you're right. You know, some people have been given, you know, a wealth of privilege and haven't been able to use it. And other people have had the exact opposite and have made miracles out of that. So and, but that's kind of my point on this brand is that it's about your personal genius and mm -hmm. how you apply that. It's, it's doesn't, it, I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It's certainly right. more challenging to start with nothing than it is to start with a lot. Yeah. But I've met a lot of people who've made a lot with very little and a lot who have a lot and have made very little from that. So yeah, I just, I just want to, I, I want to encourage no, people regardless of where they start from. It's about using what you have available to you. Oh. And that can include, you know, your native skills and abilities. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you might have this wonderful, like quirky personality and everybody just engages with you. Yeah. And you, I've worked with a few people like that and they just had outsized results compared to their resources just because they were just such interesting, mm. uh, knowable people. That's, that's an excellent point. And, and that's something that I focus on. Start with what you have and don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry. Don't worry about, having to go out and buy this and that and that because in your mind, that might be something that somebody else is doing, but doesn't mean that you need to start there. You can start with exactly where you are because who you are is unique in itself and can stand on its own. Yeah. And, and one of the challenges is that we are all unique. And it can be hard to see for ourselves oh my God, yeah. what the world sees when they look at us. So, and, and one of the things that happens is chances are that a skill or a talent that you take for granted is actually the thing that other people really value. Like you, you use it almost instinctively. You, you don't really think about it. And you go, well, well everybody can do that. Well, no, actually they can't. That's yeah. part of your secret sauce. And so that's, that's the part of this that's a little bit more challenging. And yeah. that's why you always want to involve other people as you work on your brand. So you can kind of hear what they think. And I'm not saying that you should go out and get 20 opinions. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> but you can use a very, a very focused approach to get insight into how other people see you. Wow, that's, that's an excellent point. It's, it's almost like you can't tell what's on the outside of your car because you're sitting inside of the car. You need an outside perspective. You need somebody else. Hey, hey, dude, you've got this amazing car. You got a Porsche. <laughs> you don't know what it looks like on the outside, but you're sitting inside it and you're like, oh, this car doesn't go fast at all. I'm like, what are you talking? And then somebody else would come up and like, no, dude, this is how you drive it. <laughs> Yeah, my podcast co-host has a way of describing it as, you know, it's the, what's the label on your bottle, but you're looking at it from inside the bottle. Yes. So it's, you know, it, it is it is a bit of a challenge. And but the um, one way to get around that is sometimes people, especially in corporations, will say, oh, can you give me an assessment? And when they do that, mm -hmm. there's always the what can I be doing better? 
This is not about that. Brand <laughs> is not about what you can be doing better. Brand is about what's already fabulous about you. I don't care what you, what you don't do well because yeah. we're going to design it. So it's not part of your personal genius. So you don't have to do it, or maybe you do for it just a little bit to get things going. Yeah. And then you can outsource that to somebody else. But it's, um, when I do this with, uh, with surveys, I always make sure there's no question about what can I be doing better. Mm. It's about what's already fabulous about, about you that you're not seeing. Those are the kinds of things that you really want to get people who know you really, really well in mm -hmm. certain scenarios. And, you know, you know, of course, probably if this goes without saying, but you don't go to the, the crabby ones who always have like bad stuff to say. This is when <laughs> you want to go to people who are thoughtful, insightful. Yes. They will tell you if there's a problem, yeah. right? They're not just like a, a cheer, just a cheerleader. They have this under, underlying caring and willingness to speak truth but those are the folks that you want to listen to and that's, it's a very small group for most of us that's that's so true uh it's so important to connect or have be a part of a community of any sort because that enables you to get those outside perspectives plus the community the type of community that you're part of also dictates on you're going to get really good valuable data because you are part of that community because you selected the people and you it's it's like you mentioned you know it's it's your own tribe it's the tribe that you were attracted to so they're going to give who you, you want to serve it's it's who you want to serve yeah wow yeah wow I love it, it. it all comes back to service um it does. i read a book years ago called servant leadership yes and I just never thought about it the same after I read that. It's It, it just spoke to me. I, I could never articulate how I felt about it until I read that book. Mm. But it is it is about serving. And it's not about selfless service. Right. I'm not suggesting that. You know, there's, there's, I don't even want to call it a quid pro quo, but you're running a business. Yes. So you have to make money. There's nothing wrong with making money. You provide great service. You get that. But it is about the serving and that's where saying no comes in. Yeah. If, if we say yes to everybody, that's not serving. We want to focus on the people who we can really help and say no to those we can't. Yeah. I, I don't want somebody buying a, a product or a service of mine if they can't benefit from it. That doesn't right. help me. I mean, I guess you could argue in the short run, it does. You get a little bit of revenue. Yeah. But in the long run, it doesn't serve that person. It does. And not. it doesn't serve your business. It doesn't serve your brand. So that's where the courage to say no comes from. Beautiful. So we've had some really awesome conversations about building brands or about using what you have to acknowledge and be self-aware of how you can serve others, how you can use what you already have to grow into the brand that you're supposed to be or the the brand that you already are. Does that make more sense, right? Not yes. what you're supposed to be because that's going in a totally different tangent. Yeah, that's that's a vision, which is a different thing. All right. So what are what are some uh, give us like a few tips on what somebody should like starting off? Um, I just not enjoying my job. I don't even know where to start or what what points we should look at. But as somebody who is looking into working for myself or 
let's say my vision is to have a podcast or have a business where I can help and serve others, what are some of the things that I should be focusing on to get a head start, so to speak? Okay. Okay. So um, one thing that I think is really helpful is, especially if you have like a traditional corporate job of some kind, when I say corporate, I just mean, you know, a, a job job. Yeah. Okay. You have a job job. So look back and not just to this job, but any jobs you've had before that and think of the things you've done in those jobs, think of them as projects because that allows you to sort of decouple the experience of being an employee with the experience of, of the project mm -hmm. and just start going through those projects, write them down. I think it's really helpful just to, you know, bullet point of, you know, I did this project with these people and this was the outcome and then rank how you felt about that project. I like a one to five scale, yeah. you pick whichever one is, is best and, and rank it and then say, I write down why you ranked it that way. So if it was like, for me, I did these big merger projects. Mm -hmm. So when I sat down and did something like this, I said, oh, I love those projects. And why do I love them? Because they were really complex. There were a lot of personalities involved. The stakes were really high. And, and so in that, in that vein, so I, I have a list of those things. And then, um, and what else? Well, the people on the project, what were the people like to work with? And where did we do the work? Mm -hmm. What kind of work did you do? When you start to think of all those things, you start to figure out, oh, that's why I loved Project X so much. That's why I hated Project Z so much. And it usually takes five, six, maybe seven projects before you start to see the themes. Mm -hmm. And so it might be, well, I really do better when I work alone. And so I need a, a, to create a business where I can have big chunks of time by myself to create this stuff. Somebody else might say, I really need to work with a team. Yeah. I need to be around people and the team needs to look like this. Somebody else might say, I really need to work with startups because there's an energy level around the startup and this, um, this passion and mission around that. That's what feeds me. Mm. So it's, again, it's, this is going to be unique to everyone, Absolutely. but you can, you can get there. You, you start to see what's interesting now. And this is, this works actually, whether you you're thinking of starting your own business or you're thinking of getting another job mm -hmm. because it'll show you the things that you really like. Yeah. If you're interested in starting a business though, as you do that and you start to draw a circle, around your expertise and say, well, these are the kinds of things I want to consult on, or these are the kinds of products I want to build. As you're doing that, you're getting, um, you're getting clearer on your audience. Maybe you're not sure exactly who it is yet, but that might be a good time to start an email list. Ah. So even if you're not, and some of it depends on what you're, you're allowed to do with your mm -hmm. contractual agreement with your employer, yeah. but it could be that it's simply an email list with your thoughts on X and you start with the people around you. Maybe you invite some people in your social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram to join that. Mm -hmm. And you start to, you know, to play with that a little bit. What that does is it allows you while you're still working, still earning a paycheck to experiment 
with ideas, yeah. with different audiences. Um, once you have even a hundred or 200 people, you might develop a product, yeah. something, it could be really simple. It could be, you know, it could be a $10 product. It, it doesn't have to be this big thing, right. but it's a way to test whether this idea that you have is, is saleable. And you, and again, depending on any restrictions that contractual restrictions that you have, you, you could do this for, you know, two or three years while you're figuring out exactly how to do something. I mean, if I were starting over again, yeah. having left the big firm, I would have done that. I absolutely would have done that. And it didn't really exist in that format back then. <laughs> so quick question. So why an email list and not social media? Well, both, but okay. an, e an email list is something that you own. It's mm -hmm. an, and going back to the idea of brand, it's an asset and it's nobody an asset. can take it away from you. Yeah. Social media, Facebook could decide that, you know, you're, you're posting something that is inappropriate and you're banned or they change their rules of engagement, which yeah. they've done several times. I had a client who had um, paid someone thousands and thousands of dollars to get them 50,000 likes on Facebook wow. and Facebook changed one algorithm and those 50,000 likes were worthless. The people weren't seeing the postings at all. Oh my God. Yeah. So email list because you own it, you but own what it. social media does for you, social media is a distribution channel. It yes, is. it's for engagement, but when you're writing a lot of content or delivering content like podcasts, videos, mm -hmm. it's the perfect distribution channel. People see it, they connect with you and you know, good things happen. Yeah. No, oh, thank you. So thank you so much for that because I, I love the idea of email list and, and I've got a short one, but I haven't utilized it at all. I mean, I've got thousands of connections on LinkedIn, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I've, I've always been hesitant on sending that email out. Like what's people Why? gonna say? Oh, okay. So right? here's, here's how you, here's how you get over that. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is you have something to say. You have to decide what that something to say is. And the way to think about it is that you're providing value to the person who's receiving it. So mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming you're not, just because you said that, I know you're not going to be the guy who does the buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this yeah. spam, right? So it's about doing something that's in service to your ideal audience. And that if you didn't do it, you're actually keeping something valuable from them. I know. So it's a mindset. And let me just add to that because you're doing a podcast, love podcasts. Podcasts are great for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, one thing they don't do is it's not an easy way to communicate back and forth. Right. Right. Yeah. Email gives you that. So you can share your podcast in email and then all of a sudden you have a way to have people talk about it, share it. Well, you can share podcasts other ways, but yeah, ask yeah. questions and have a little bit more of a conversation. You can start to get to know the Please. people in your audience in a way that's harder to do just through the podcast. That's, that's really beautiful. And I think I just shied away from even sending an email out, Hey, there's a new episode out because I was like, I don't know if people are really interested in listening to this, but now that I think about it from the perspective you just showed me, like I'm providing, I'm, I'm collecting or I'm, I'm interviewing somebody who has an expertise in a specific area. And if people don't, if people don't like it, they can, you know, ignore it, but mm -hmm. I'm still doing the purpose, doing the job of getting the message out. Oh my God. 
You know, <laughs> I know what you're doing when we get off this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's really funny is that what, what I just said is, so I'm, I'm a Muslim, right? And um, being a Muslim, there's actually passages in the Quran where it says, all you have to do is convey the message. It's my duty as God, if they're going to convert and be a Muslim or not. You just worry about sending the messenger. That's why we call, yes. that's why they call messengers and not converters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's actually, it's a really good metaphor for this. Cause that is because we are all in our own way. We're messengers for our belief system. Yes. I mean, you know, you heard me at the beginning of this talk about all the things that are important in being unforgettable. It's about being authentic. It's about pulling out what's unique and special about you. It's yeah. not about, you know, being artificial or putting on airs or trying to be somebody else. Yes. It's about being you in service to that audience. Wow. And that's a messenger. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I love it. So, so insightful and so powerful because now can, I can say, cause I've been like, I've, I've done over 200 interviews and I only sent out one email and I was like, and I saw the uptick was pretty good, right? Like how many people opened the emails? And then I saw a few people's unsubscribe. And then it, that just like, oh, punched in my tummy. Like, okay, maybe I won't send another email out. So, and I've been thinking of automation, like how can I automate that? So I, do, I just don't even think about it. It's just automatically goes out there. Uh, I just got to put in the time to link those two things together because I have some kind of automation already set up. As soon as I published a podcast on Anchor, my website goes and grabs all the data and mm -hmm. publishes it, you know, a page on there. So I need to set up another type of automation where as soon as it's published, an email goes out right. to this list. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I feel you on the unsubscribes. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I hate seeing unsubscribes on my <laughs> list. But here's what I try to tell myself each time, and it works more every time I do it, which is I say thank you. Thank you. Because if they unsubscribed, it meant that they weren't getting value from what I did, or they were too busy, or they whatever it was. I yeah. don't know what their story is, and I'm not going to imagine what their story right, is. Right, right. It doesn't matter. It, it's, it's like, thank you, because now they're gone, and there will be room for someone who really wants to hear this message. Oh, my God. That's such a beautiful analogy. <laughs> There's somebody that I've been following on YouTube uh, Sunday Leonard Doozy, and she's she's like a YouTube master. And as soon as she starts sharing her personal feeling of what happened to George, um, what's his last name? George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd. Mm -hmm. He she posted a post on on YouTube without like any of the like she used to post stuff about okay, this is what you you should be doing, blah blah blah. But she was like all personal in this post. And she got a ton of comment and people start saying, hey, stay in your lane, talk about the other stuff, create a new channel if you want to talk about this kind of stuff. And, it, you know, a lot of people unsubscribe. But then she also saw a ton of people subscribe to her channel because what? Yeah, hmm. that's yeah. I, I, I had this happen, not not on a controversial topic, but yeah. uh, I think it was two weeks ago. 
I posted something about consistency and I had a bunch of people unsubscribe and I thought, well, is it just because it was like too obvious? Mm -hmm. But then I had a whole bunch of people engage on it. Mm. And because consistency is, is hard, you know, doing that, but that is what gets you results over time is doing things consistently. So I looked at that and said, okay, thank you. Thank you. This it. was just was not the right thing, but it's not, it's, you can't take it personally or you'll never distribute anything. You'll never press the button. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle. That's, that's very encouraging, very empowering. I'm going to do some homework today and make <laughs> <light> those <laughs> things up. <laughs> I want to see the email. Yes. Yes. You will get the email. All right. So at this point, we've had some really awesome conversations, learn about branding, learn about being your own self, using what you have and not comparing yourself with somebody else because we all are unique and don't be afraid to test. I think that's a very powerful thing because without testing, you're just making assumptions that it's not going to work. Um, Testing is important. Important. So thank you so much for so much value. At this point, I love to ask these fun, funny questions to my to my guests. So if you're ready, we'll okay, give them up. <laughs> Go for it. What is the one hobby that you wish you got into? You know, I gotta say, I, I I've always gotten into whatever interested me. It's not like I have this list of things. Right. I mean, I I, I had ballet as a little girl mm -hmm. and I took it up again in my 30s because nice. I thought oh I want to try this and I, it didn't last very long um, I'd always wanted to learn how to play the piano mm. so I did that it didn't wind up loving it but I learned how to do it um, you know I studied wines um, so I guess what I'll say is my my passion right now and I'm still very much in learning mode is is really uh, modern design mm -hmm. and architecture. I live in Palm Springs, so it's kind nice. of Mecca for that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's what I'm interested in and I'm, I'm learning, but there isn't, I can't really say there's something that I, that I, a hobby well, that I well, haven't. Well, like you mentioned, you know, anything you wanted to do, you jumped in and did it, um, which is awesome. You know, learning to play the piano is one of my things. I'm like, I wish I knew what all these chords mean. I mean, I love music, so maybe one day. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to be when you were a child? Oh, I wanted to be an actress. Ooh. Yeah, I really, I did. Um, I was more of a writer, mm -hmm. but I would write plays um, in, I think, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And my friend Diane and I would enact them with like clothes from the attic and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I wanted to be an actress. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I actually did some acting parts, not big ones but you know it was like hey let me give that a shot it was pretty fun yeah um, next question what is your favorite movie or tv show and if not if none how about a book um good question i have to say right now i'm watching schitt's creek oh, oh my god, my god i love it and, so good. and we're just in we're on season five mm -hmm. And just in the beginning of season five, love that. Um, love Ozark. That's another one mm -hmm. I've been really fascinating with, it, even though it's dark. Yeah. Um, the, the Schitt's Creek is just fun. It's for just so, so many, fun. For so many different reasons. And and, yeah. and like I've, I've, I've seen uh, Schitt's Creek as well. And I was like, like, why, why? Like, there's just so many whys. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? 
there's other ways around it, but but thinking about screenwriters and and how they want to keep you keep you watch keep you from leaving the show. I'm like, oh, that was, you know, they just keep you in the hook. They just keep you in that. Um, it's it's really cool the way TV TVs work. I mean, right now I'm watching The Expanse, and I don't know that one. It's uh it's a space show. I'm writing it down. Sci-fi, and um, it's it's the you know humans have colonized Mars and there's another um there's there's basically three factions the Earthers the Martians and then there's the Belters who live on the belt which is basically I think the asteroid belt I'm guessing okay. so it's really it's really it's really well done I think Amazon bought the rights to it so they're doing season five uh this December mm. it's been it's been pretty cool I, I love sci-fi so that was like Yes, thank you very much. Well, my new requirement to watch a series is it has to be more than one season because if I get into it, I want to be able to like go through all of them and yes. and binge on it, yes. especially, you know, now cuz new content is so hard to come by. So, so hard. Awesome. All right, next question. What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Ooh. Hmm. If I got to play a character, who would I want to play? I know there's a part of me that would like to do some, you know, like a Betty Davis, Joan Crawford role, but it seems like kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, um, yeah. So let me give you a context on where the, where the question comes from. Uh, there's a book by Ernest Cline called Ready Player One, and it's an homage to the 80s where gaming you know you go to the arcades and it says ready player one and you press the button and you start playing so oh. in the book um it's set in the it's, it's set in the future everybody's uh using virtual reality to go to school go to work and whatnot so the inventor dies and he loves the 80s so he basically sets up all of these um eggs what do you call those eggs you know, uh, like a pod? No, 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 not not <laughs> like Easter eggs. Sorry, oh, he okay. puts Easter eggs all throughout the game, throughout the universe that he's created in virtual reality, oh, and oh, you okay. have to go and find these Easter eggs. And there's a lot of reference to the '80s movies, so or '80s um, pop culture. So in one of the game, one of the one of the Easter eggs, you have to. You enter the game and you have to play. You have to play the character of Matthew Broderick in War Games, and you have to know all of the lines in order to oh. win that game. I'm like, hey, that'd be pretty cool. So when they did the movie, they picked the movie. Uh, they actually did um, The Shining, where you're in The Shining. You're stuck in the corridor of The Shining. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't hilarious. want to be in that. It's pretty that was, Yeah. I thought you were going to say um, uh, Broderick and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. I know. That would have been another <laughs> not a cool one. I mean. I would have signed up for that one. Yes, please. Sign me up driving the Ferrari backwards too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Who is your favorite superhero or superhero power? Well, Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. Of course. It has to be Wonder Woman. Yeah, I like the idea of, you know. The bracelets, <laughs> the bracelets, and, gotta, and, gotta love Wonder Woman. And yeah, absolutely. And uh, the latest movies have, have done a really good job of showing her character and just 
bringing it to life. The backstory, yeah. Yes. All right, last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? I'll just say what I immediately thought of and then I started to, um, to edit it. It's Monopoly. Yes. I just I love Monopoly. And there's just something about, you know, I always was like the little dog. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about going around and going to Park Place and Boardwalk and Marvin Gardens. And I just, I like that. It's, yeah. it's like the game of life. You, you win, you lose, you go to jail sometimes, you get <laughs> out of jail sometimes. Yeah, I would say Monopoly. I think in Monopoly, it's the, another important thing that you get to do is own property or own your own brand almost like right you're building your own legacy of how you're gonna end up cool thank you well thank rochelle it was a ton of fun chat chatting with you thank you so much for coming out to the podcast um where can my audience find you connect with you a uh, few places the easiest place is rochellemolton.com that's m-o-u-l-t-o-n.com links to all my social media are there um got articles and I also have a, a daily blog on authority as well. So it just depends. And there's a bunch of free resources in there. So help Perfect. yourself, please. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll definitely include the links to uh, RochelleMolton.com as your social in the show notes so people can get to you. And thank you again so much. Have a great one. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you for listening to Hacks and Hobbies. You can find additional information on the guest today on their website, hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests.